Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This highly practical podcast series explores HR and management hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Brought to you by Actors Software, our aim is to build a better workplace for people. The HR Uprising is about collaborating and supporting each other to build the confidence and skills to rise up to each challenge and deliver real, lasting business value. You can find out more at hruprising.com or join our LinkedIn community. Now introducing your host, chartered psychologist, best-selling author, entrepreneur and speaker, Lucinda Carney. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. And this week, we're talking all about coaching. I'm really pleased to have Joanne Wheatley with me today, who is the award-winning EMCC Global Coach 2020. So um, I I came across you through LinkedIn because of this. So congratulations on that, Joanne. Tell us all about it in a moment. And we want to explore coaching in the context of what it means for HR as either a sort of a role that's um, a, a skill, if you like, that we have, or is it something that we want to roll out further in the organisations? Is it something we want support with? Just exploring it in lots of ways, because um, Joe's going to explain in a moment, she's got a business with her business partner. She's a, a master accredited coach, coach trainer and supervisor, as well as a few other things, I think. So we're going to just explore this whole term of coaching supervision and how it fits into us as HR professionals. So welcome to the HR Rising podcast, Joe. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Would you like to give us a little bit of your journey? It's probably a good thing to explain in your words what you do now and how you got here. Yeah, thank you. So my background is HR. I worked in HR for 10 years before I transitioned into coaching, which I see as more of a specialist L&D part still of the HR profession. So I worked my way up from HR assistant to HR advisor, HR manager, and then um, HR director and worked across the private, the public and the third sector. And in all of those roles, in those different organizations, managers would say to me and employees would say to me, Joe, how come everybody comes and talks to you and goes away feeling better? And I just used to think, oh, that's nice. I'm pleased, you know, pleased I can be helpful. But then one day I sat and thought, I actually don't know because I'm just being me. So the risk with that is that I could cause harm because I don't know exactly how I'm doing that. And around about the same time, I brought a coach into the organization I was working in. I had some coaching myself and I just, well, I didn't know coaching existed before that. And I thought, wow, this this is what I thought HR was when I came into the profession. So I decided that I would train to be a coach myself and um, I found a training provider that was um, incorporating different coaching psychologies. And even before my HR career, I had been really interested in psychology, but I actually did a law degree um, because I was interested in the one-to-one support, but realized that was only a very small part of it. When I did my coach training, I thought, they said, don't make any big decisions, but we were talking about values and beliefs. And I, I was in a position where I could. So I decided that I um, would leave and I would set up my own business. So I set up a coaching business with Zoe Hawkins and I met Zoe when we were doing our HR masters together. So our journey started together right at the start of our HR careers, really. And we supported each other through those careers, because I think in HR, you're often in a lone role and 
um, or you feel can feel lonely anyway, even if it's a large organization. So we would be each other's person that we'd call and say, I've got this situation. This is how I'm thinking of handling it. Have I missed anything? Um, and we would be that support and champion of each other. And so it kind of was a natural thing then to come together in the business. And I've just reached the point that 10 year anniversary in our coaching and coach training business in good company. And so it's kind of like that feeling when you've been with, let's say you're part like my husband, when he gets that point where you've been with them longer than your ex, you know, your previous partner, you're like, well, this is, this is a special moment. So to have won the, or be one of the winners of the EMCC coach um, practitioner of the year awards on that 10th anniversary that marks, you know, that equivalent time as I was in HR was really special. And the award relates to feedback that was received from people that I've coached. So out of 6,000 coaches, I think it is in the EMCC. So we've got that award was really amazing. And really for me, the importance of it or the significance is to inspire other people that are thinking about if you have a love and a passion for supporting and developing others, you can make that transition and have an equally successful or even more successful career. So I am one of those people that has done a little bit of a career pivot partway through, you know, 10 years in. And, um, and so now we train coaches in um, EMCC, which is European Mentoring and Coaching Council and ILM accredited training programs at level three, five and seven. Um, and also I supervise people. So that's not only coaches, it's also HR professionals or consultants. And just having that place where you've got a safe container to be able to you know, evaluate what you've been doing, emotionally process what you've been doing, um, that champion, that challenger um, that you may not have, or you might need something different outside of that line management hierarchy or structure. So there's lots more, but that sounds like a lot. Oh, there's loads, isn't there? So um, it sounds like it's a vocation. I says it's one of those, isn't it? it? Is. That you got into HR and then you saw this was really your specialist niche. Um, but in terms of your um, supervising HR professionals, so you're super, you supervise people who want to supervise. How does that work? Are they they're not necessarily working with you for coaching? You're just helping them to process what they do. What's that about? So it's about giving. Well, like I described, really, to be able to um, reflect and review on what they've been doing, um, what's working well, where do they want to grow and develop? So what's their learning edge? Um, and so it can be a combination, you know, it's obviously incorporating coaching skills, but it's helping supervision. I don't like the word supervision, but if you separate super from vision, that really gives you the definition of what the purpose is, which is to enable you know, the person that say the HR professional in this context to get that supervision, that helicopter view. So to be able to look at what's happening like in the present, you know, between them and an individual, if it's a, you know, relationship stuff that they've been working on, whether business partnering, or maybe it's relationships at the exec level where you're part of the exec team, what's happening at that team level and what's happening in, you know, in that wider systemic level um, within the organization, but even extending it out to think about what is my role as a HR leader here and how am I play how is that playing a role in the wider world? So it helps to really give that lens and to recognize patterns um, that they might be experiencing in their career. You know, is there an I'm not good enough? Um, yeah, yeah, imposter complex type thing going on. Yeah. yeah. So it's also looking at where they're supporting. You know, as a HR professional, you're often supporting 
a lot of people in an organization, you've got your stakeholders. So it enables you to reflect on how am I supporting those individuals as well? So it's kind of that space to be able to be still in service of those stakeholders, but also looking at your well-being um, in amongst that. So it, it's taking um, like, well, there's a model called the seven-eyed model, which is one model that um, is used within um, supervision. It's not like the only approach. It just helps to give you those different lenses on yourself, your work, um, your team, and so on. Is that what that seven-eyed sun for? You have to tell me what this is. It's, it's, I remember there used to be a four-eyes at Siemens Eyes work, which is about two sets of people. It's a Haw Hawkins, um, Hawkins and Shohei model. Um, and... Uh, there's another model called Theory U, which is often used as a model for supervision. But essentially, it's all about being able to take a step back or even a step up and consider not only what you're doing, how you're doing it, but also who you are when you're doing those things. Um, so it's like we ask, we're used to asking ourselves, aren't we? Certain questions, we tend to get into a pattern. So I would describe it. We have, like, have a torch and we can look inside ourselves, asking ourselves these questions. There are some bits where we have blind spots and supervision is a place to be able to come for that support, that challenge, but also those questions that will just, you know, almost sometimes, you know, might take you back and think, wow, yeah, I haven't thought about that at all. So it's a place to explore. It's a place to discover. Um, it's a place to explore beginnings and endings and all sorts of things. Mm. I like that. They, um, I like that term supervision. That's a, so that completely repositions the the term, doesn't it? It always feels like something a bit sort of paternalistic or um, yeah. Know, actually, I like that idea of being super. I, I my other also being super. Yeah, the other term I like for for it is um, is courage hour. Because I think there can be a lot of shame um, involved in, you know, this idea of supervision and, and coming with something that maybe you're struggling with. And people can feel like shame about that. They think might think, well, I've been, you know, I've been doing this role for five years or 10 years. And, um, you know, I feel that I shouldn't, you know, a lot of shoulds. Yeah, I shouldn't yeah. feel like this. I should be able to do that. And so, you know, it really the space is a non-judgmental um space that safe yeah. container yeah that's good so um so and how do people end up working with you in that context because i can see how you end up with people come they want a qualification how do you end up working with someone as a supervisor if it's not connected to that um so recommendations obviously is um is a way that people um find me through my work um, there are different avenues. Sometimes people come and train with us and then, you know, and then they want to evolve the relationship and and uh, and engage, continue to engage with you as a supervisor because you get supervision when you, when you train on the course. Um, LinkedIn, obviously, I'm very present on LinkedIn. We also, under Joanne Wheatley, but we also have a free Facebook group called The Coaching Crowd and we post weekly videos in there either demonstrations of coaching tools and techniques or discussions of topics. And they're also on our website as well, www.igcompany.co.uk. And the purpose of that group is really to make coaching tools um, and demonstrations accessible to people for free because not everybody has the budget to be able to invest 
thousands of pounds in their continued professional development. But there are bite-sized things that you can listen to when you're walking the dog out in the sunshine and you yeah. think, oh, I've got something coming up. I wonder if there's a different approach that I could take. Or having a semi-structure often gives people confidence because a lot of time people think, oh, I don't want to probe or, you know, I want to make sure that I stay within the right boundaries. But also having that transparency with others um, can help the conversation. So, and, on, and I'll put all those links to those websites in the show notes. And, and I, I can vouch for the fact you've got some great resources in your video snippets as to tools and techniques that people go if they want to increase. I mean, we'll go on now to talk about how this might fit into the HR toolkit. So we just talked there about you potentially helping people directly. But then, mm. you know, with our HR hats on, how is coaching a useful tool here? And some of yeah. the some of those models that you talk about on the web on that on the YouTube channel could be useful, I think, for people. Yeah, so, yeah, simple things like, yeah, like the grow model is, um, it's quite a well known coaching um, structure, but there's one called, um, there's a model called clear, there's one called Oscar, there's key coaching questions. Um, there are, you know, just even thinking about, you know, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Knowing that you're thinking and feeling that, what would you like to do next? You know, just having that, making sure they're engaging with all of those senses. So there's lots and lots of quick and easy um, structures that people could could test out and also in the group you can post questions if you've got some you know situation and you're a bit unsure you can post it and there's loads of coaches in there that will come and help you know give you some um, ideas to, to think about or, or connect direct so if you're and you mentioned three goals three coaching models there oscar oscar clear and grow which is probably the certainly the one that i'm most familiar with um are they used for different purposes or uh, and if you're an HR person which is the most useful one or is it just a preference thing people have their own personal preference but broadly speaking you know they are quite similar so if we take grow for example grow stands for uh, the g stands for the goal so if you're in HR you know people look forever turning up at your desk so you've got your diary well planned out and then somebody arrives at your desk oh well in the Virtual old world, desk now. yeah, <laughs> yeah in, the, in the old world but maybe they're going to slack you or they're going to you know uh, message you in, in the virtual world we're in at the moment and so you might be conscious that you've only got 10 minutes so how do you manage that conversation so that that person um, is equipped to go away and do something you know with the issue that they came to so you might start the conversation you know by saying okay you know what we've got to, I've got 10 minutes what would you like to achieve in the 10 minutes that we've got together today so you're pacing the conversation and that person says oh do we, can you just tell me um, I've got to have a conversation with somebody in my team about changing their hours um, and I just wanted to check with you you know what I should be saying about that and I think one of our roles in HR is to empower other people or that's, you know, that's one of the lenses that I always had with my work. I always want to make myself redundant um, by, by doing that. So you might say, OK, so by the, at the end of this 10 minutes, you'd like to be clear around um, how to structure that conversation. Yes. The R stands for reality. So you might ask some questions in reality around what conversations have you had with this person so far? What's your current knowledge about um, how you have those conversations? So you're really starting to build out the understanding of the here and now. The O stands for options or opportunities. So if they've got some information that's missing and you don't have time to do it, you might explore with them, what have you, um, you know, what research have you done already? What resources have you got access to? 
what are the other options? And the options could include, actually, maybe it'd be better if I delay the conversation because I'd really like to, you know, one option is you and I sit down together for half an hour and we need to schedule that. So you'd explore the options. And then the W is for way forward or sometimes it's referenced as will. And so this is the action piece. So I, um, you know, what's good about it is it's a semi-structure but you know then you've got 10 minutes and you're gonna take that person on that journey. So they're going to go away with a clear action. Now you don't know at the start of it and they don't know what that action necessarily is going to be. So that's really useful. And the way I describe coaching or taking a coaching approach is it's about understanding the person that you're with, understanding their reality, their here and now. And in a full coaching sense, it's about that personal and professional lens. And it's about understanding what small or significant changes do they want to make. And in a coaching sense, it would be going into their past, so their, like their values and their beliefs, which are, are kind of filters that we have, insofar as it's relevant to achieving that future. So coaching is future focused. So it's about identifying where are they now? Where do they want to get to? And what is the gap? Is it capacity? Is it knowledge? Is it beliefs? You know, what is the gap? And then because often in conversations, people talk about the symptoms, they don't talk about the root cause. And that is a defining feature of a coaching um, engagement or conversation. So there were a couple of things I thought were really useful for a practical point of view there in terms of an HR professional, someone comes and interrupts you. There's something also about um, taking control by saying I've got 10 minutes or 15 minutes, which allows you to focus it and reschedule it if you, if you need to there. Um, which is nice, but also the, the second point that you just made there, which has just gone out of my head, I was thinking towards the um, the way forward. Um, it, it's about almost controlling and guiding people. When when might you, how might you use this in terms of sometimes if we think about managers, we might say, do we need to be more directive? Or would you say, is it all about open questions and people coming up with their own solutions? Is it horses for well, courses? I think it's a blend. So I'm not a purist um, coach. So... I think if you think about coaching and mentoring on a continuum, you know, coaching at one end, mentoring at the other, I think it's important if you take a coaching approach to be, to be on that, you know, that half closest towards uh, pure coaching. So pure coaching is non-directive. So, you know, asking questions, mentoring, let's say at the other end is more about sharing your advice based on your experience. For me personally, it depends on the individual and the conversation and the context. So there and the contract that you have, you know, what's your responsibility in that conversation? So I think as long as you know where you are and what you're doing at that moment in time and that that is in service of your role and what your responsibility is in that conversation, then that's what's the most important thing. So if you're asking somebody questions about, you know, what options have you got? What options have you considered? What if this, what if that? If they're really struggling and they're, you're you know, it's a time limited situation. If you've got experience or knowledge, then, you know, you can offer, you say, you know, I've got some knowledge of this. Would it be useful if I shared that? Or would you like me to help you to explore this a bit more for yourself? So then that individual gets to make the decision. So they're still in control of it. And they might say, can you just if you could just give me three options because I'm really stuck I just can't think of anything and they might then just use that as a springboard you know because some people find it really hard with a blank piece of paper don't they to get started yeah. but when there's something there then they're like actually no I don't think I'm going to do that but you've just given me a great idea 
which you haven't, but it's it's just given that bit of energy and that bit of self-belief. So I believe that there are no unresourceful people, only unresourceful states of mind. So I think when we're in HR, part of our role is to enable or inspire or ignite in the other person this sense of um, self-belief and you know help them to get it back into that resourceful state of mind. Some of the terminology you're using here, I don't, and I know this, the jury's, well, some people love it, some people hate it. This reminds me of a conversation I had with a lady called Fran Trousdale, a previous podcast where she was an NLP practitioner of, of things and being resourceful and, and choosing helpful mindsets and, and that sort of thing. Do you use any of that sort of stuff in the background or is it, is it more, is, is that frowned upon in, in traditional coaching? I don't know, is it, do you draw on stuff like NLP, neurolinguistic programming? Yeah, so my so I am a master NLP practitioner. Um, I've got done Gallup Strengths Finder. I've trained in systemic coaching. I'm a um, what's systemic um, coaching also, compared to anything else? Just that, okay, so so I've done so ORSC is a course called Organizational Relationship Systems Coaching that we'll just call ORSC because it's okay. too it's too long. Yeah. But it is about working coaching teams because teams are complex, and it's the idea that. Um, a team has a life of its own. So all of the, the mem- team members, they're, they're like, care- we're all caretakers, aren't we? You know, organizations will go on and live for years beyond our lives, hopefully. And so understanding, you know, if I'm having a conversation with one individual, there is the opportunity for that individual to go away from that conversation. They'll make a decision. They're going to do something different. When they go back to their team, their team are either going to welcome that change that they want to implement or the team are going to reject it. Um, So, you know, how do you work at that systemic level where there are a number of individuals? So that's like a spider web of relationships. So it's looking at relationships as as a living thing. So rather than coaching an individual, you would coach the relationships between them. So it's an, it's another lens. So again, I'm not a purist in any of the things that I have, studied I take from the courses that I do what I um, believe or ex- experience to be really useful and then I have that to draw on where I think it would be useful to the people that I'm working with and, and my coaching style is partly educational because I I like to help people to learn how to self-coach themselves so that beyond their engagement with me they have the confidence and can future pace that learning so when similar things come up in the future they have the confidence that they know how to be able to deal with it. But language is, you know, I understand is important because when you're in a certain world and you get used to using, you know, different phrases. But I think my approach with people is that, you know, it's accessible. And if they don't understand, you know, what I mean, they say, what do you, what do you mean? Can you tell me what that actually means, Joe? And then we can say, okay. And then we can kind of put it into context. So please, if I'm saying anything that you think, what does that actually mean? Just let me know. Well, I was going to say, there's, there's so many directions we could go in there, but so let's go <laughs> down the route of, let's make it practical for our audience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you were going to work with, so we've got people professionals generally listing yeah. um, to this, although there are some line managers. If you were going to self-coach, you also talked about that future pacing, which I think I understand what you mean, applying to the future, but perhaps explain that. What would be, could you give a... Could you walk us through a sort of a self, a model that we could understand to do some self-coaching and future pacing on something? 
that's something that we could do. Oh, maybe, maybe maybe if I start with like, so if I if I was working with an individual on a six session program, so one and a half hours each month, um, that's one option. I work with people for three quarters of an hour every week on some programs for a number of months. It varies, but if we take a six session approach. In that, after a chemistry call where you've talked about what coaching is, what it isn't, what somebody wants from it, in that first session, it's about understanding their model of the world. So, you know, what what do they believe? Do they believe that relationships are difficult? Do they believe that, um, you know, that that they're alone, or do they believe that everything's going to work out great? You know, what are the lenses that they experience life in? Are they rose tinted or, or otherwise? So it enables me to be able to step into their shoes and, and look at the world through that. And it's also about defining and exploring with them what are the goals that they want to achieve from these conversations. And we make sure that they're what we call well-formed, which means they're basically guaranteed to achieve it. So we go through some process for that. Then we do some, we loosen their model of the world. So sometimes, you know, we, we all get into our kind of fixed views about the world. We have our belief system, um, how we think it all works. So we start to, you know, explore with questions or tools and techniques and loosen that up. So people, the, you know, the HR professional will start to think, okay, maybe there is a different way for me to look at this. And then we start to do what we call change work, which would be including all those tools that you were talking about. So. Um, neuro-linguistic programming which is about modeling excellence it's about our conscious mind you know where we think about all right I'm hungry now that's that would be an example of our conscious mind or I need to write that report our unconscious mind is where our memories are stored it's where our emotions are stored um, so you know helping them to connect with that Transactional analysis is a theory of communication and child development. So there's a lot of conflict resolution tools in there that we might use. So looking at, you know, is our view of the world, I'm okay and you're okay, or, or is our, our kind of um, internal dialogue about the world, I'm okay, they're not okay. You know, this influences how we interact with people. Um, gestalt, which is a whole person approach. So we look at, um, you know, what's present in the relationship. We use our senses a lot. Cognitive behavioral coaching is that connection between what we're thinking, what we're feeling and what we're doing. And lots of people in HR are um, sensitive. Um, they are empathic, um, you know, intelligent, like enjoy the one-to-one the -one interactions. But obviously there's lots of different elements, aren't there, to HR. You know, there's organizational design, there's employee relations, there's reward, talent planning, all sorts of different things. So we would do some change work in those sessions. And session five is um, kind of reviewing where we've got to finishing off anything that has come up. Because often people will come with what we call a symptom. So somebody might say, I want to feel more confident presenting at the exec level. Everybody else seems to just do it without thinking about it. I find myself writing notes and then I don't sleep the night before and I just really want to be able to, to be confident. So we would start to then explore, what are you believing about yourself um, when it comes to presenting or your role in that team? And out of some of that work, you know, when did you decide that? And, and so on, out of that work, some other things might come up that the person wants to work on and then session six is all about reviewing what we've done where were they at the start of the coaching where are they now um, and that future pacing which is how are you going to use what you've learned moving forwards um, so self-coaching is about being able to 
take on board some of the tools, the techniques, the mindsets and and be able to do it. So I do that all the time. So when I get um, news that, um, you know, that might rock me, that's maybe as a shock, I use things like the emotions wheel. Um, you can find that at www.feelingswheel.com. And it has three circles of emotions. And a lot of people do struggle with emotional literacy. So if you ask somebody, how many emotions can you name? Most people could name maybe seven, thereabouts, plus or minus two. Um, but this wheel, you start in the middle and it's got anger, sadness, fear, happiness, and so on. So most people then, they can point to words, but if you ask them, it would be hard. Then you say, okay, if it, you'll fear. So I'm, I'm frightened of presenting. You go out to the next level and it has a number of different, what I would call flavors of that. So you choose that one and then it goes out again, like it branches out. And then when we talk about emotions as unmet needs, so all of a sudden then people start to change their relationship with these things. So rather than feeling overwhelmed by emotions, they start to think, okay, an emotion is data. So if I'm feeling um, frustrated, what does that frustration need? You know, it lends itself then to an action. So it's there to help us. Um, so we can think, right, okay, so what am, what am I feeling? I'm feeling frustrated. What am I thinking then? Well, because I'm feeling frustrated, I'm thinking I just want to get out of here. Because I'm thinking I want to get out of here and I'm feeling frustrated, I'm actually not engaging in the conversation. So what would it be more helpful for me to think? If I thought that, what would I be feeling? So no, then if I'm thinking that I'm feeling that, what would I do? So it just helps to move you from that unresourceful state into that resourceful state. That I think you must have shared that feelings wheel because I thought that was, I think I saw it on LinkedIn. It must have been yourself. I, have, Someone I did. did. I so really, many I just, people. Yeah, so many people messaged me after that. I gave an example of my son returning to school after lockdown and I asked him how he felt about going back to school and I got the standard response of shrugging shoulders and yeah, okay. And I just thought, no, I think, you know, there's, that, that's actually, let me help you to understand how you are feeling whatever that is and then I showed him the wheel and he's seven so yeah you know he has some awareness but some of the words are new to him but yeah. it developed a curiosity in it so he went through the wheel and he said he said it got too shocked and I said also oh, you're feeling shocked now I didn't know he felt shocked and he probably didn't know that he was shocked but once he was able to articulate it we could then have a conversation about what we did over the weekend that would help you know, with that feeling and what he wanted to do with it. And it, actually he was okay with it. And then we talked about how he'd felt about homeschooling and he chose a, you know, a couple of different things. One of them was thankful, which was a surprise to me, um, but was really nice. So we had a, you know, a lovely moment, but it's, it's having the confidence that you then feel that you understand your thinking patterns your feeling patterns and how that results in the way that you behave because human beings like to make meaning of things and I think when we have meaning it helps us then to be able to move forward because sometimes we get hooked I describe it as getting hooked on um, you know onto an emotion or an experience so how do we get unhooked and actually Susan A. David is a great reference so anybody that's listening that's interested in learning more about emotions and how we have these umbrellas of emotions um, because we can have layers of emotions so for example um, 
there's something called racket feelings, which is when we might think that we're feeling um, angry. This is transactional analysis, running a racket. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we might think that we, we are sad or we might be upset and people will think, oh, I associate crying with sadness. But actually, um, that it might actually be that you are really angry. Um, so if we try and resolve the feeling that's at the surface level, we probably it's not going to happen because we'll still have that um, authentic feeling, which is underneath. So there's so much to learn about emotions that are really useful when you're in a HR career, because there's a lot of emotion, emotive topics. When we think about redundancies, you know, and how do people take the news of that? And, and change in general is an emotional process for people to go through. So the more we can understand ourselves, the more that we can understand other people, the um, the easier we'll find our roles and the less personal that people will take will take things less personally but, and, and then you and you can help them more of, of course and if they can, if you can because you can process things because often if we are in that kind of I'm sort of looking at the wheel there in terms of that personal yeah. thing it's that whole emotion piece you can't make rational decisions or to the same degree if you're unless you're able to be a bit more objective about it so it allows us to step out and, and look at it and does that um that that personal that it does that fit into things like you said that seven eyes model earlier is that about getting distance again if we're being more objective or is that I think in some ways it's it's about doing a dance between complexity and simplicity so, so in our minds we can have so much internal conflict going on like if we take the example we're talking about presentations and we think about confidence so when I did my original coaching training or my NLP training I remember thinking I am, I am a confident person, but there is a part of me that, you know, there's another voice in my head that says, you're not really though, are you? What about in this situation? And what we find is that people will say, I don't have confidence or I'm not confident. And then I'll say to them, are you confident to brush your teeth? And then they'll laugh and they'll say, yes, I'm confident to brush my teeth. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and so we start to break down this kind of total decision that they've made, which is, because I'm not don't feel confident in this area at the moment, I'm therefore not a confident person. And that decision kind of shuts down options. Really what coaching is about at its heart is also about enabling people to be able to identify choices. We feel stressed when we feel that we don't have choices. So if we can help people to identify, well, you've always got two choices, which is keep doing what you're doing yeah. or make or a change. <laughs> yeah. And even that is like, oh, okay, so I have at least got that choice. I might not like my choices. Yeah. But then that's where values come in. So if we can understand what our career values are, and I think for HR professionals, even, um, I mean, I think they can look, I think we've got a values demonstration on our website, I think. So if you can work with people, I used to have these conversations a lot. I think our role is to help people kind of connect with the best role for them at the right time and so helping them to identify what their career values are helps them to make the right decisions for them and if somebody is in a role that is a good fit their motivation is high um, you know they they have a positive impact on those around them and that that psychological contract is strong um, if if there isn't the right fit because that person isn't clear around what it is that they need from their career so there's some really you know, actually, it doesn't take good a long time. about that, actually, because I've done a podcast this week about belonging, and, and that's about making sure it's about your values um, fits, and you are more likely to stay, and you're happier, and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah 
Yes, that's perfect in terms of career. So, and so those are all ways in which this all weaves together that we can support people with, but helping them to yeah. think about those things. Yeah, and also believing that, so one of the things that coaches believe is that all behaviour has a positive intent. So, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in situations, let's say if somebody was going through a disciplinary process and, uh, you know, I, you know, oft, I think about like HR groups that I'm part of where often people are shocked at how, you know, how people behave in, in different yes. situations. But if we stop and think what, okay, I might not, I might not think that I would behave in that way in that situation, um, or I'm, might not feel that that's you know a helpful way to respond but it as you say if you take a step back and think right okay let's lean into this belief of all behavior has a positive intent what is this person's positive intention and what is the need that is underlying that and how can we meet that person with that need in a more healthy way Um, and I think those you know subtle but significant um, adjustments in our approach can help us to support individuals, um, you know, whichever stakeholders it is that we're working with, to resolve things in a quicker way and in a way that's kind of more mutually beneficial. I guess my mediation, so I also trained as a neighborhood mediator when I was at university. So for me, coaching is also about that inner peace, um, you know, helping that, that inner conflict we were talking about of I'm confident, no, I'm not, I'm good enough, no, I'm not. You know, all of those things that actually are really common. So everybody has empowering positive beliefs that enable them to achieve the brilliant things that they do or to enjoy them. And we all also have some limiting or negative beliefs. And I think of those, you know, like where you have the picture of, I don't know, from the 70s maybe, where somebody gets married and they have the noisy tin cans at the back of the car dragging yeah. along. I think of those as being like our limiting beliefs that get in the way. So coaching is about helping people to identify those and then supporting them to be able to change them so that they can move forwards without that internal um, conflict that they have. Yeah, I think we could talk for ages. I've just got in terms of this. I've had so many things that it connects with so many thick bits of psychology and um, yeah. just interesting reading. And, and I'll try and elicit all of the references that you've shared over this. Um, but I suppose maybe that is uh, the point to, that we, we're going to just to to close down. What what I suspect is that what you just shared is every single model that you learn. If you decided to invest in yourself as being a coach, then you will by nature. Then you get some coaching because I know when I did the, my coaching qualification, you practice it, don't you? Anyway, and you have to take on. So yeah. so you get access to a bunch of models that you can then use to build your own self awareness, and then they become part of your toolkit when you're coaching others. Um, yeah. I guess then from, from a sort of an objective standpoint, I know that you are the EMCC um, coaching, that's your, your, your body. There's three bodies, aren't there? Do you want to just share with people? What would you recommend yeah. if someone's wanting to, to get a coaching qualification? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess firstly, yeah, absolutely. If when you, most of the people, I would say 80, 85% of people that train with us are HR professionals because of our backgrounds and our understanding of HR Um, There are three main coaching bodies in the UK. So there's the EMCC, which is the European Mentoring and Coaching Council. Although it says European, they are actually global. They're not for profit. Um, Then there's the Association of uh, Coaching. And there's also the ICF, the International Coach Federation. And um, they all subscribe to a global code of ethics. Um, They have 
so that people get confused about accreditation. So when you do a coaching course, you would want to look for a course that is accredited. So, you know, I described that our courses are accredited with the EMCC and the ILM. The reason for the ILM was because if it's um, funded by an organization, organizations don't always know about the coaching world. So we've, we've got both of those. But as long as your course is accredited by Either they probably university. use the apprenticeship level if it's ILM as well, can't they? Yeah, well. yeah, or ICF, but make sure that it's an accredited program, whatever you, you choose, if you want to train as a coach. Once you've completed your, um, your coaching qualification, you then can apply to one of those three coaching bodies to become accredited in your own right as an individual coach. And they each have their own criteria for accreditation. So broadly speaking, you've got found, it's a bit like CIPD as you work your way up to fellow. So in the coaching world, you have foundation level, practitioner level, senior practitioner and master level, which is the level that I'm now at. Each of them have different um, requirements, but the broad um, requirements are a certain number of coaching hours for each of those levels, um, a certain number of supervision of your coaching hours. So that would be spending time with someone like me as a supervisor, making sure your practice is ethical. How are you learning and growing and developing um, in service of your coaching clients and your well-being? Um, and then there is your ongoing CPD as well. So that can be articles like reading, it could be webinars, but other coaching courses. And you know, you're never done with learning. So if you're somebody that has Podcasts, a learner, it can be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so there are those those three ones. So they're separate. So you have yeah. courses accredited and then you have your individual accreditation. And there is a table that I can share with you that you can put in the if you've got yeah. show notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, it's, or it is in our, I think it is in the coaching crowd group as well. But when you train to be a coach, as you say, Lucinda, you're always, you experience everything as the coachee and the coach, and also often as an observer as well. And then you do have to coach a certain number of hours. And I think a lot of people that do coaching training, they are aware that they will experience a personal transformation through that experience, because you are going to learn all about your values, your beliefs, working on your goals and that has a value in itself but also then you've had that experience so you know people may not want you know counseling or other interventions but they might feel like you know I quite like to do an MOT of myself yeah <laughs> and just see how am I doing is there anything getting getting in the way for me and also it's a great opportunity to spend time with like-minded people because yeah. You know, Build if you've network. got a small HR team and, and often they are or you're working from home, you just want to spend time with people who, you know, want to support and empower others that care about mental health and all of those things. So, you know, I think it's a really resourcing space for that. And I'm always looking for the next CPG that I'm going to do. So I think um, so that's the point, though, you don't have to. Well, it's keeping learning, which all of us are doing, but the. Uh, the point is, actually, you could choose any of those bodies. It's, it's getting an accredited course. You don't have to then go on and be a coach and do loads and loads no. of hours necessarily be supervised, but you'll get such a growth even out of doing that. Yeah, I mean, there's also the... Yeah, the level three, like for us, the level three is self-directed. So you have two hours of, of coaching supervision and you need to just do 12 hours of coaching practice. So some people that train with us, they just want to be even better at their job. They want to broaden their toolkit. And other people are thinking, actually, at some point in my career, I'd like to transition either having a side hustle of you know coaching yeah. with, with the HR day job 
or at some point in the future fully um, transition. And a lot of people will incorporate the two together, HR consultancy with coaching. It's an, for me, HR to coaching was just a natural yeah. transition. And you're not going to do the same thing for all of your life, are you? Because people get bored. So how do you keep that energy and enthusiasm in the overall field of work? Like I'm a proud, you know, I feel really privileged that I've got to, um, you know, work with the amazing people I have in my career and had the experiences um, that I've had. So, you know, I'm excited about the future. And, and, and I say, they feel very synergistic as well. I'm not surprised you're excited. It's an exciting business that you're in. And congratulations <laughs> on, on your achievements there. Thanks, but, um, but fascinating. If you're interested in people, what a fascinating way to also you know, earn a living. And as I said, then just synergistic potentially with what you're doing in your HR day job. So um, we will put lots of links in the show notes. You mentioned a number, there's almost too many websites to go through now, but just if people <laughs> want to link in with you or connect with yeah. you on social media, do you want to just close Joe by sharing how they can get hold of you? Sure. Yep. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn under Joanne Wheatley and um, you can find me on in the coaching crowd group on Facebook. And you can also um, connect with us via our website, which is www.igcompany.co.uk. And you can sign up to the mailing list, which will give you a summary of the video that goes out once a week if you don't have time to actually um, dip into that group. Um, so there's lots of different ways and my um, email address is joe.wheatley at igcompany.co.uk and I'd just love to you know to help people progress in their careers and you know I know what it's like if you feel that you're on the outside of you know let's say coaching and you're looking in and you're thinking where do you even start with this so you know I just like to help others in the way that obviously you know we've all been helped through our careers. And coaching and uh, you know one session of coaching can massively help someone else you can really pay it forward with others can't you sometimes yes, just having yeah. a conversation I love that it's like the ripple effect is, yeah. is brilliant and that's why we train coaches because we can only coach a certain number of people ourselves wonderful Joe thank you so much for coming on the HR Uprising and guys if you want to get the links the HR Uprising um a website as ever is hruprising.com, hruprising.com. <laughs> and so that's where we'll put all of Joe's links and the tables and things that she's talking about and also links back to her website where you'll be able to go and get more, more access to that information. Thank you thank so you much Thank you so much, and uh, Love your podcast. Cheers. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising, proudly brought to you by Actor Software, the joined-up performance and talent management solution. You can access links to any of the information or resources mentioned in the show via the podcast page at www.hruprising.com. If you like what we do, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and leave a review. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising.